We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am the host. Joining me as always are Tyler and Alex. Alex, you got you got the Sixers winning game one. Uh, game two is is coming up. So how are you feeling about the Sixers and how are you doing today? Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction because then if I'm wrong, uh, it'll come on the podcast tomorrow. So I'll just say uh, praise <laughs> be to our savior, Julio Jones. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Tyler, how are you doing today, man? I didn't realize being Jewish meant worshiping Julio Jones, but here we are. Um, I definitely wasn't invited to the Suns Out or Guns Out, Suns Out, whatever party. Uh, next time, I'll make sure to wear a tank top. There we go. I mean, summer is is upon us. I was just saying to Tyler that uh, starting next week here in Fresno, we are hitting triple digits all day, every day for uh, for a few months. I'm usually up until September, so summer is here. Um, but yeah, we've got a fun show planned for you guys today, talking about our main takeaways from the Chargers OTA so far. We'll also hit on some NFL news uh, that came out today and yesterday. And first and foremost, we're going to hit on the salary cap implications that were announced today. The NFL and the NFLPA have agreed to a $208 million, I think it's minimum, uh, cap hit for next season for NFL teams. Um, if the Chargers are able to carry over about $10 million-ish, depending on you know what else they do from here on out, they could be looking at $50 million in cap space next season without cutting anyone. Uh, so, Tyler, what's your, what's your takeaway there in terms of cap space possibilities for the Chargers next year? 
Well, my first thought was, you know, what does Devontae Adams cost these days? When you, <laughs> when you have a lot of money, you just want to spend it. Yeah. Uh, Spot Rack has him at $25 million a year, which is absolutely insane. Um, so I don't know if they're spending that much money, but they could. Um, yeah. As far as the free agent market goes next season, well, one, the Chargers roster, there's not a whole lot they'll do to, to do changes. Like maybe they'll, you know, extend Abushi, but otherwise they're probably cutting Bulaga, and the right tackle market is okay with like Taylor Moton and Ryan Ramchek, not super expensive. I mean, they are, but not like not $25 million a year for Devontae Adams expensive. Um, yeah. One guy I'd love for them to potentially bring in is Darius Williams, the Rams corner, um, just because if Chris Harris leaves and they want Asante Samuel Jr. have some inside outside, maybe they just want that established, you know, outside guy who was obviously Jalen Ramsey with the Rams. Now, granted, we always thought that not always, but we thought this offseason that Staley would bring in some of his guys and he didn't. Right. But I do think that, bringing in someone like Williams, who's relatively young-ish, who just kind of plug and play, doesn't have to really be like the high-end starter, just a guy opposite Davis or working with um, Asante Samuel Jr. Um, I think that would definitely be a target. But otherwise, I'm just excited that the Chargers have this much space. If they want to trade for Julio Jones, it's even easier next year because that cap hit ain't that much. It also does mean that they could extend Mike Williams as well. And you know they do definitely have the cap space to do that. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But for right now, as far as their roster goes, I don't expect a whole lot of changes outside of Balaga. So I'm just looking at yeah. additions. And there's some guys, whether it be, you know, Akeem Hicks, maybe from Chicago, that I would be interested in. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think this, the ceiling is $208 million, So mm-hmm. it's not like the floor. Okay. Yeah. So, right. but currently over the cap has $203 million as the cap. So basically the Chargers would jump from $46 million cap space to about fifty-one. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty good for them. Obviously, if they want to make some moves, it allows you flexibility. If they do want to make a big trade or something like that, um, obviously, like we've been talking about with Julio or some opportunity that becomes open next year, and they don't really have that many free agents to re-sign, right? I mean, the one that's kind of borderline is Mike Williams, um, depending on how all that plays out. And if you're paying him, let's say, even between 10 and 15 million, um, I think at that point, then you're at 35, right? And you still have a pretty decent chunk of change there. So then at that point, you really have Lynn Hall Joseph and Chris Harris, which I don't think would be particularly expensive to re-sign, uh, at least in comparison to Mike. So they can go pretty crazy on the market, obviously. I think there's a lot of great um, defensive tackles if they do want to move on from Joseph um, kind of in that mm-hmm. market. Um, but there's also guys that, like, aren't really going to be available, like, yeah, TJ Watt is in the free agent class, but we all know that right. like, Steelers are going to lock him down. I sort of have that view with Devontae Adams, too, but, you know, also TPD on that. Uh, but, you know, I think they can be big spenders in free, agents, free agency, and uh, for all the crap that, you know, Spanos gets for being cheap or, you know, the Telesco regime uh, is for being cheap, they weren't cheap this year, right? They made, uh, yeah. you know, uh, obviously Corey Lindsley the highest-paid center for about three minutes, uh, until <laughs> the the guy from who who was the other guy that got paid? Grand um, Glasgow. Yeah, Grand Glasgow Lions. Yeah. So, um, but they showed this off season, and I honestly last off season that they weren't afraid to spend money, and I think that that's kind of going to be the theme going forward for them as a team with a quarterback with a rookie contract. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this a bunch last year about the flexibility that they're going to have because of the Justin Herbert contract and. I mean, having $50 million in cap space, potentially 60 if you cut Brian Balaga, which kind of depends on how he plays. Um, I mean, it gives you a ton of options, you know, if you want to go 
for a big another big swing like Lindsay at a different position, you can certainly do that. Um, they'll also have to take into consideration a Derwin James extension, which we'll talk about him in a minute, and then you know potentially bringing back Mike Williams. So it gives them so much flexibility for the future. And you know we've been kind of talking about recently being you know next year being the big push for the Chargers, and that's a big reason why. Because, you know, I'm glad that Tyler brought up Darius Williams. You know, we kind of are looking at this roster and, and maybe you have enough money to go get a top tier corner. Maybe you have enough money to go get a top tier edge rusher. Go get Justin Herbert another weapon. And so the Chargers will be able to hit several of their needs in free agency. And then, you know, this year they didn't really have the luxury of taking best player available in the draft. But next year they probably will be able to do that because of all this cast space moving forward. Um, so whether that's a trade for Julio Jones or, or whatever the case may be, you know, th- th- that's a big deal. And it's going to give the Chargers so much flexibility beyond that because the cap is going to go up again in 2023 and theoretically again in 2024. So across Herbert's five-year rookie deal, the Chargers are going to have a ton of cap space and they're going to be in a situation that they have really never been in. I hate yeah. to bring it back to Julio every single time, but potentially if they do give those two <laughs> picks or three picks, whatever for Julio, they can definitely mitigate that loss or that that gaping hole by just spending money, which is great. And also, yeah. I just want to point out that Ryan Dirud, friend of the show on LAFB, pointed out that the Chargers might have $50 million in cap space. The Rams are $10 million over the cap next season. There's a big difference <laughs> in money there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they have a bunch of competitive Satori picks too. Uh, obviously, like even if you do make the Julio trade and you give up all those picks, you do still have bodies. Like it's not the same quality players. But I'm kind of of the opinion that like the top of next year's draft isn't that great. Um, from what I've seen so far, at least in comparison to this one. Like, for, <laughs> if we want to talk about first round receivers, first round receiver in this year's draft means a whole different thing than what it means next right. year. <laughs> it just isn't the same thing. Um, but so yeah, I. I'm of the proponent that they might be bigger players definitely in free agency next year than they are in uh, in really a draft context for sure. Yeah, and the other thing, I'm glad you brought up the compensatory picks is because of COVID, there were so many draft-eligible players that returned to school this year. Mm. And so I think this year was kind of, you know, one of the low points in terms of players that were declared for the draft, and next year that number is going to go up as well. So. You know, we kind of joke about those six-round picks, but, I mean, theoretically, with the depth of the draft class, you know, that could be could be some or at least one potential difference maker. So um, the other thing with the Julio Jones, just briefly, we've kind of hammered home, you know, our opinions on it. Um, but I think it's Jeff Darlington of ESPN was reporting yesterday that he thinks it might not even cost a first-round pick to go get Julio Jones. It might not even cost a second-round pick, that this could be trending towards – being a couple thirds or even later than that. So um, the Chargers currently do not have great odds. If you're a betting person and, and buy into how likely that correlation is, their odds I think are like seventh or eighth most likely. Um, you know, the Titans and Patriots and, and other teams have kind of taken the lead, but um, we'll obviously cover that the, the more it progresses. The other thing rather briefly that we're going to talk about Um, The NFL has finalized dates for training camp. Um, I believe the first, they said fan events in quotation marks. I don't really know what that means, but uh, on July 31st, the NFL is going to encourage all teams to uh, host fan events and and kind of kick off training camp that way. And then like we mentioned the other time, there were 
you know, the, the dates for the preseason have been finalized as well. So, Alex, um, what are you kind of looking forward to in training camp and, you know, having fans back uh, at that kind of event? Uh, I look forward to watching it all unfold on Twitter um, because I'm in a completely different state. Um, so that's, that's my uh, expectation for training camp. Yeah. And I, I did see that meme today that was talking about, uh, oh, man, all the players look great. This year is going to be the year. Yes. Everyone's healthy. And yes. uh, to some extent, that is kind of how I view training camp coverage. Um, but it is still fun. And, you know, you get to meet up with other fans there and, uh, yeah. I'm sure you guys will fight uh, all the other Chargers podcasts. Uh, you guys can go uh, just fight them physically for me since I'm not going to be there. But, we need your guns, uh, man. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I think it'll be fun for the fans. Obviously, no one was at a training camp last year. Uh, you know, building off of, you know, kind of what some of the news was today, you know, I, I think it'll be cool to have all the, you know, players there, undrafted guys too, because last year, you know, the undrafted guys really got screwed. Uh, obviously because of COVID. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to get fans down there who can give their opinions that may be a little bit more harsh than some of the beat writers or other writers who, I'm not saying, they, you know, because they kiss ass or anything, but they can't just go out. You know, I can sit there and tweet, you know, this guy stinks, this guy yeah. looks slow or whatever. And the other guys just can't really do that. Um, when I was with Bolt Beat and I had the Bolt Beat Twitter handle, I tweeted out like, hey, you know, what's his face just gave him? That, that on that Rams, um, Keenan Allen Rams play got that great pass long. Rivers totally was sacked on that play. They just couldn't actually sack him during practice. And I tweeted, um, Rivers got sacked. He needs some help here. And everyone's like, you, you suck. Like, you have a huge account now. You should you're really like you should pump up the team. You know, you're a bigger account. You should be doing this and that. Like, no. Like, anyways, I, I appreciate you know the people that can yeah. go down and go. Well, this is actually what's going on. Like, yeah, people look good. I'm sure they're in shape. Whatever. But you know, this guy. I, I feel like last year we just lost so much of so much yeah. of that and all this information. And I was confused by some of the results of the 53-man roster or how things turned out. Like all yeah. we heard was, you know, Bobby Holly's taking first team reps. Bobby Holly's going to, you know, doing this and that. And he doesn't even make the roster. Not that it's saying anybody's lying to me, but it's like, what happened? You know, Joshua Kelly is supposedly the preseason yeah. winner, the training camp winner. And what happened in his rookie season? Did they Did he look great in camp? I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like kind of Justin Herbert was undercovered. You know, we heard from Fernando when he was on the team, I think maybe off camera or whatever, but that Herbert looked really good. Um, but, like, I didn't get to see that. I feel like we didn't really get to see that outside yeah. of, um, you know, hard knocks. Um, so I, I can't wait to get down there and you know have a look at these guys for myself and, you know, see what's really going on and how this defense is turning out, who's playing where. Because right now all we had was, like, that one camera angle of, like, half the defense. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy's playing here and this linebacker's playing here and who's doing this? That's all yeah. we got. So I can't wait to see everything laid out in front of us. Well, and the reporters. I was just going to say, Hard Knocks is probably going to be the Jags and Tim Tebow this year. So I won't even, oh, get, to see what the, I won't even get to see what the Chargers are doing uh, from my <laughs> side of the world. <laughs> well, I, I think the Cowboys are up for Hard Knocks this year as well, which oh, would God, not That would be even me. worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, training camp, like, last year, outside of Hard Knocks, we got, like, nothing. Yeah. And, you know, all we heard was – you know, just we had to take the reporters' words, you know, I don't want to say more seriously than before, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we, we mm-hmm. just had to trust that Joshua Kelly really was the best player in training camp. And, and I, you know, Fernando and Gilbert mentioned that there was even one day when Easton Stick looked like the best quarterback. And it's like, you know, now <laughs> we get to go and see that if that actually happened. 
um, you know, my training camp experience in 2019, it was, it was so much fun and you get to go there and you just get to hang out and, and yeah, it's practice, but you know, I'm glad you brought up kind of like the criticism, criticism kind of things. Cause you know, that day, uh, I think you let me tweet things from the bullpeat account as well. And I was, I was talking about Jeremy Davis being like the best receiver and everybody was like, that's super cool. And I'm like, no, 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 that's really bad. <laughs> that is not a good thing. <laughs> oh. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, did I let you do that? Because I shouldn't have let you do that. <laughs> I, I think it might have been like just me tweeting videos and you retweeting. Okay, because yeah, no wonder they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ended up firing you anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, shout out to AB Five uh, real quick. Um, but yeah, the other thing in terms of training camp, the NFL has allowed teams to take up the roster to 90 players, which is good because last year they kind of entered uh, with 80. So they'll get 10 extra roster spots this year, which, you know, who knows, maybe they'll bring in some other undrafted free agents or other veterans and stuff like that. Um, But just wanted to mention that pretty closely. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we are going to move on to kind of our takeaways from the OTAs. Obviously, none of us were there, um, but we did have some press conferences and some videos and things like that. Um, And obviously, the biggest thing to cover here is that Derwin James has been 100% cleared for full participation in OTAs in the offseason moving forward. And, you know, by all accounts, you know, according to, you know, Alex's tweet here, Derwin James looks great. He looks healthy. He looks better than ever. <laughs> um, you know, those kind of tweets, I, I love that they're back. You know, we saw the other one with Jimmy G who had hit the weights and looks stronger than ever. And it's just it, it, football is back in some capacity. and It makes me happy. Uh, um, but Alex, what is kind of your takeaway here from Derwin James being back um, to 100% capacity kind of earlier than anyone thought? Yeah, uh, I I didn't think it would come this soon just because, I mean, he really 
got dinged in, in August, and I, I thought it would just take longer, maybe into June or July, or he would ramp up, like, right before training camp. But I certainly didn't expect him to be fully ready in May. Um, at this point, you know, I'm super excited that, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get to the, kind of the communicator aspect of this later with, with Derwin and Tranquil both being back. But I think that is such a crucial part, especially with a new coaching staff, particularly a new defensive coaching staff. Uh, just having him there and being able to play is great. And so I, I hope that stays um, as it is for now and into training camp and into the regular season. Uh, um, but, yeah, uh, there there definitely is an aspect to it. It's like, all right, can we just, like, wrap this guy in bubble wrap? And <laughs> I, do, I do definitely feel that part of it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's great that he's physically cleared. And, you know, because this defense just, as we've seen the last two years, just not the same thing without him. Yeah, it's fantastic news. I certainly didn't expect it this fast. And, you know, he hasn't played in a game since the Rise of Skywalker hit theater. So it's been a long time since we've seen oh, him. Gosh. Right, yeah, that whole before 2020 thing. Yeah. Um, sorry to bring up a movie that sucks. But, you know, it's a, it's a credit to guys like John Law and the, co- the rest of the, the training staff or however that works. I know Staley referenced the, like, the new sports science staff, but they were there for like a month. So I think whoever was, you know, prior to the yeah. – like, everyone gets a lot – or the, the, the training staff gets a lot of shit when injuries happen. But there's also something to be said about how fast Derwin James came back from this injury. And maybe that's just Derwin James as is. He's a, you know, he's a freak athlete. Right. right, recovers quickly too. But, you know, credit to them certainly for, you know, having him in this position because he's an important part of the defense. If not the most important, at least the second most important guy. So I'm happy to have him out there. And I'm glad they're doing 11-on-11s, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, just – keep him as healthy as possible. This is a guy that I think was like hurt or dinged up a little bit in the preseason of his rookie year, had maybe like one game and then went out against Kansas city and had like the best game of any defensive player on the field that game. Yeah. And was you know one of the best safeties in the NFL in his rookie season. So I don't think he needs a lot to stay healthy and get out there. And I'm excited to watch him because there's few guys like him. Yeah. You know, he said in his, in his press conference, he's, you know, he's ready to put these injuries behind him. And, you know, he said that he has kind of, you know, taking a more cerebral approach to his recovery, which is, is pretty hmm. common, right? You know, you're away from football and you're able to really kind of absorb things mentally, take mental reps more often uh, than not. But, uh, you know, looking back at his rookie season, you know, I, I think – I don't want to say we kind of took it for granted, but, you know, like looking back at how special that season was is that there it's rare that an NFL player comes into the NFL – and right away is an elite player at his position. You know, we saw that last year with Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle from Tampa Bay. But, you know, it's it's so, so difficult for all these players to come in and rook, as rookies and be elite players at their position. And that was the case with Derwin James. So, you know, the, the Chargers obviously need him. We've kind of talked about our concerns at depth at the safety position. Um, but it certainly seems like they are taking precautions to ensure that he is healthy because – you know, like you guys both have said, he, he is a game changer. And, you know, I have to think that the reduction of 11-on-11 full speed stuff was almost exclusively done for Derwin James because both <laughs> of his yeah. injuries came in training camp when they were doing 11-on-11 team drills or uh, or a scrimmage. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the Chargers are not doing 11-on-11 full speed things, at least during OTAs. I think that maybe that changes during training camp. Um, but the only time they're going full speed, at least in the OTAs, is going to be in individual drills. And I think, you know, I think football has changed. It's gotten to the point where you don't have to go out 
and do the Oklahoma drill and just hit each other for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, you're able to get all these mental reps like we've seen the videos of, and you're able to get your technique refinement and individual drills. And that's great news for Derwin James in particular. I love the notion that Staley is going to, while they can't physically challenge each other, at least not as frequently as they used to, he's going to mentally challenge these guys. And, you know, I've referenced this game like three times now in the past week, but watching the Rams, I don't know why I'm holding my remote. Anyway, (laughs) watching the Rams play the, I just picked it up, I'm sorry. Uh, Watching the Rams play the Cowboys week one, you know, they allowed 14 points in the first half and they just clamped down in the second half and only allowed three points. And for for him to come in as a defensive coordinator, have that communication so quick, and for them to figure out the Dallas offense, which ended up being really, really good for the short period Dak was there, and just clamp down yeah. on them like that with such great communication, I think it speaks a lot to, to Staley. And I'm, so I'm really interested and curious to see how this secondary is adjusting or, you know, what – I mean, they have to learn so much. And, you know, you don't – they're adjusting to 3-4 or 3-3-5, whatever the hell they end up doing. And, you know, I'm glad they're getting these mental reps because, you know, if – like, do they want to be you know, physically available or ready for the game? Sure. But, like, if you're not actually physically available for this game, then we're not learning. And we've seen – and granted, these are very – obviously very talented players, but we've seen, like I just said, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Justin Herbert not get a whole lot of action and then just step onto the field yeah. and be really, really good. Herbert because he just wasn't on the first team and, and Joseph Bosa and James because they were injured. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, my brain has gone. I threw my remote. <laughs> I I think football has always been the most draconian sport in terms of how it's actually like prepared for in the off season and like I think slowly people are realizing that hey maybe we don't have to like beat the shit out of each other before week <laughs> one comes yeah. um and that's you know uh, maybe the eleven on eleven thing is part of that definitely kind of a ramp up to training camp based on the guys who have been injured but. Um, I have been kind of hesitant to accept that, like, oh, man, we're going to do analytics and we're going to do sports science because it, at first, to me, it just sounded like, oh, this is kind of talk just because the last administration didn't. But uh, with this, you know, 11-on-11 drill thing in particular, it's like, yeah, this is a smart thing and you're keeping your guys healthy and kind of ramping up towards the big thing. And at this point, it is more mental uh, and teaching guys, you know, how to communicate with each other and what to communicate, right? So, um, I, I definitely buy it from that perspective. Well, and you can clearly see that Sean McVay has had a big influence on Brandon Staley too, because hmm. the Rams have taken this approach where, you know, they don't play starters in preseason games. They don't do a lot of hitting in, in training camp. And, and obviously what we'll, we'll see how that pans out, but, you know, Brandon Staley being willing to say, Hey, you, you know what, we're not doing 11 on 11 stuff in my first off season. Like to me, that shows that he understands, you know, that this is really going to come down to communication. And right now the most important thing is just installing the defense, installing the offense. And, you know, he said that quite a bit in his press conference. You know, this is about learning right now. And then they can kind of, you know, take that next step in training camp. And so a a big part of this defense in in terms of communication is going to be whoever is calling plays and, you know, what kind of communication staff that they have on the field because the one thing about Gus Bradley's defense is you didn't really need someone, a veteran to be a play caller because it generally was the same play on every single play. (laughs) And Brandon Staley, that's not going to be the case. You're going to be able to mix up coverages. You're going to play man to man. You're going to play quarters. You're going to play cover three, cover two. You're going to have way more blitzes. So the communication has to be, you know, on point on every play. And so, 
I, I thought it was interesting, you know, looking at all the pictures and stuff like that. And, you know, Drew Tranquil and Derwin James, you know, and they had mics and they had earpieces and they were clearly the ones that were kind of given the, the role of the, the quote unquote green dot, which obviously without helmets they don't have. But, you know, getting Derwin James and Drew Tranquil back from a mental standpoint, from a communication standpoint, is clearly going to be an important theme throughout the season. The last two coaching staffs, or this coaching staff and then the pre- previous coaching staff, they just seem to love Tranquil. They can't get this guy yeah. off the field. Obviously, they, they had he was just a fifth-round pick, so special teams were fourth-round pick. But, um, you know, special teams role, sure. And then they just couldn't get him off the field after a while. And then he was going to be their immediate starter next season. And even with the new defensive coordinator, new coaching staff, he's wearing the green dot. And, you know, the Rams ran a 2-4-5 defense last season about – 300 snaps. Um, that was what they ran the most. But after that was pretty similar with a 335 and a 236 at a combined 550 snaps. Thanks, Arjun, for the information. Um, so Tranquil is definitely going to be on the field a lot as that sole inside linebacker often. And I'm I'm kind of fascinated though if he's the inside guy and if White is the other interior guy, just because that tiny glimpse of what we saw in the in the video potentially showed that. Is Murray their outside linebacker as like a pass rusher getting after the quarterback? Do they want to take him off the field? as a guy in coverage and just let him attack, attack, attack. What do you make of that potentially based on one video? Well, based on the one video, I think it, it is a little tough to tell because, you know, in that same video where Sean Slater was, was off in the background and Trey Pipkins was, was the left tackle. So maybe we just didn't see Murray. I don't really know. Um, I, I think, you know, he Brandon Staley said in his press, his initial press conference, or it might've been in the second press conference that Kenneth Murray's an inside off the ball backer. So, mm. That's where I think he's going to play. I think, sure, he can play on the outside some. But, you know, I kind of said this when we were talking about Micah Parsons. There's a huge difference in being an effective blitzer and being able to truly rush the quarterback. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, when you take a player like Parsons or like Murray or like Devin White, you can use them as a blitzer. But I think asking them to play on the edge and, you know, essentially, you know, have to be a defensive end. I think that would that doesn't you know maximize their skill set, and so um, you know like we've said a bunch, it's going to be super interesting to see how Brandon Staley uses these linebackers because you know Micah Kaiser was arguably his best linebacker with the Rams last year, and I don't even think he's better than Kaiser White. Do you remember who number forty-one was for yeah, the Rams? It, it Sorry, Alex, you're way behind my about How Kenneth Murray fits in? Yeah. Go, go ahead, Alex. No, no, oh, okay. No, I was just going to say, uh, in regards to the Kenneth Murray thing, uh, it, it is interesting to see how he's going to be used, just because we did see like glimpses of him uh, as a pass rusher was the only positive thing in the New England game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think just Tranquil seems to kind of fit what Staley wants as a communicator better. Um, you know, if, if it were the Gus Bradley defense, you may have seen uh, Kenneth Murray kind of taking the lead there. I'm not sure, obviously, if we could go back in time or if Liam is still the coach. But, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to see what Tranquil kind of brings uh, as a leader. But also, I do think they will use Murray as a pass rusher more, probably not as a defensive end, just because I do think Uchenna and Wosu is probably better at that being his, like, yeah. permanent role. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he's probably the, you know, best one equipped to occasionally pass rush for sure. What was the reason Murray no longer was calling plays and it switched to Vigil? Just because Perryman got hurt? Like, why did they? Well, Gus Bradley seemed to imply that Murray was kind of, like, struggling with it, Mm. that they wanted to take some things off his plate and allow him just to play 
more free. But then again, you know, how difficult it is to say, hey, man, we're running, <laughs> you know, cover three, everyone do your thing. Like, you know, yeah. you know what I mean, so I just don't know how complex it is to call those plays for Gus Bradley versus calling those plays for Brandon Staley. Um, you know, I think there definitely is more things involved with Staley versus Bradley, but, you know, some players just, you know, they don't like to think before plays. They just like to get the play call from someone else and, and just see ball, get ball kind of thing. So, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about Murray to say like, you know, he couldn't handle that or can't handle that going forward. Um, but it's pretty clear that they kind of prefer to be tranquil at this point, And the other staff did as well. Um, so I guess it just kind of is, is personal preference there. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So we'll kind of wrap up today's conversation with this. I think we've all got to reset our expectations for Derwin James. I think that's a fair assessment given the fact that he's only played five games over the last two seasons. So Alex, we'll start with you this year. If Derwin James is, let's say he plays 14 games, give him some leeway. What do you think we can expect from Derwin this season? Um, I I don't think you can expect another All Pro season, but I think it's fair to expect another Pro Bowl type season from him. Uh, just because I, he's just going to have such a huge impact. Uh, and you know, just I mean, his impact on the field, regardless of whether he's like maybe as athletic as he was in 2018 or even slightly less so. Like, I have no, you know, real reservations about the fact that he'll still be kind of at that level. Um, I don't know, you know, again, we haven't seen him in really two years. I mean, we did see him at the end of 2019, but um, I'm just curious really what his athletic level is going to be because we've seen guys that, you know, come back from these knee injuries and it's usually – a year after a year after the knee injury that, you know, guys are hundred percent. So I think it's fair to expect him to still play at a high level because that's Derwin James. And I, I don't think he necessarily needs his athleticism uh, at peak proficiency to do that. But um, I definitely think that there could be a little bit of the, uh, I, I don't know if I want to compare it to Hunter Henry, but uh, I do think Hunter Henry coming back off of the ACL, for example, was, noticeably uh, less pliable, I feel, yeah. in 2019 than he was in 2020. Uh, granted, he, that's not that much more pliable because he's a tight end. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do feel like he was a little less wooden. So um, I, I think that Derwin will still be uh, kind of – I don't know if he'll be at that elite level, but I do think he'll be at least kind of a you know Pro Bowl-type player still. Uh, just able to make a difference in a lot of ways that other guys can't. Oh, I'm I'm putting serious money on him. No, I'm not. I'm putting serious money on this guy <laughs> being an all-pro. I don't. I I really don't think there's not that there's not a lot of good safeties, but I think as far as you know, high-profile guys go and guys with his talent as probably the feature guy on this defense in a yeah. defense with a very featured head coach and a guy who's projected to have the best odds to win Coach of the Year next year or this year. I kind of expect all pro from him. And considering how fast he recovered, you know, if we were going through June, July, August, and he was slowly ramping things up, then sure. Like, I think he could play and be fine. And the second half of the season look really good. And, you know, we'll be hopeful for 2022. But I really expect this guy to hit the field immediately and, and just kill people, honestly. And I, I can't <laughs> wait to watch him. I really sure. think, like, last year it was Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Buda Baker. 
that were first-team All-Pros at safeties. And I don't see any reason why, unless he really, really is physically limited by his injury, I don't see why he couldn't at least take one of those spots. Yeah, I, I have a tough time saying, like, first-team All-Pro, maybe a second-team kind of, you know, uh, role for him. But, you know, you're looking at John Johnson and what John Johnson was able to do for the Rams last year. I mean, he had one interception, 105 tackles, two tackles for loss, and zero sacks, which very, very good season for John Johnson. And, and you know, obviously he earned that payday for uh, the Cleveland Browns. But just kind of comparing that to, you know, Derwin James, what Derwin did as a rookie, Derwin had three interceptions, had three and a half sacks, he had four tackles for loss, and he had 105 tackles. So, I mean, Derwin is is – an incredible player when he's on the field, when he's healthy. And even in 2019, after he came back from injury, he looked like he was, you know, obviously it was only the last five games, but he looked like he was back to that kind of player. So I'm tempering expectations a little bit, but I still expect him to be, you know, one of the best safeties in the league if he's healthy. And I just can't wait to see, you know, what that looks like in Brandon Staley's defense. Cause something they talked about, this week is potentially using him more as a deep safety as well. And so kind of adding, you know, some possibilities for more interceptions and and being able to use his range deep a little bit more, which I think is, you know, you expand his responsibilities, you expand what's on his plate and be able to use him across the field. I love how he just said, I'm a football player. You put me wherever you want. And, you know, I can't wait to see what someone like Brandon Staley is able to do with him because Gus Bradley used him, kind of like a chess piece you know it, it was mostly in the box safety stuff though um and you know covering the flat and, and you know t- making plays in the flats that way as a blitzer and stuff like that covering the middle of the field but you know Brandon Staley is going to use him apparently all over the field which I think is going to be so much fun to watch the only the only thing I'll say um in regards to like all pro and stuff like that that'll be interesting uh is like you know Stephen kind of said well if he plays 14 games um, and I think if they do get into a position where it's like one week, you might want to, you know, rest or win because he does have knee soreness or something like that. Um, just from strictly an attendance standpoint, because voters seem to believe, you know, availability or <laughs> the best ability is availability and all that shit. Yeah. Um, I, like, I do think that, you know, presents a problem if, you know, Derwin does play 13 or 14 games and then they go, well, what if he didn't play these three or four, right? Obviously, I think his impact would kind of overcome that, but I do think if they do have to sit him for a couple of weeks, just uh, kind of recovering in the buildup, uh, it's, you know, rare in football, but the staff has talked about, you know, the fact that they're more analytically driven and the fact that they'll kind of make decisions based on uh, what their staff says. Um, you know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of factored into all pro and all those kinds of awards by the end of the year. For what well, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. I'll Sorry. say for what it's worth, uh, Tyron Matthew and Budabaker each played 15 games last season and made first-team All-Pro. I mean, I, I know it's only one game, and granted, I think Matthew sat that last game. Yeah. But it's, yeah. They can miss one. Or three. Yeah. Well, it is going to be interesting to see because we've seen, you know, part of the analytics in the NBA is kind of, you know, taking over this load management stuff, which – you know, you rest your players in, in meaningless games and make sure that they're fully healthy. So it is going to be interesting if that impacts a player like Derwin James or like Chris Harris or, or Brian Balaga, and especially with another extra game that maybe 
not just the Chargers, but maybe these NFL teams are looking at their veteran players and saying, you know what, maybe we, you know, rest, you know, Brian Balaga against the Philadelphia Eagles because we think that, you know, we have a more important game coming up just, you know, randomly. Ouch, Alex. You could have said the Bengals. You wanted to get a dig in at me. It's fine. It's just because I like I'm looking at you wearing a Philadelphia jersey, and it, my brain just works that way sometimes, man. I, I, no shade yeah, at yeah. all. Um, I would definitely not want them to rest Brian Blaga against the Eagles defensive line. That would be a disaster. Um, but I was just pointing <laughs> out a random game. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see if load management kind of creeps into the NFL like some of the other NBA trends have as well. Yeah, I mean, frankly, like I think that would be kind of the smart thing to do. Like I know football still is kind of like – that sport where everybody wants to be an Ironman and play every game. But, like, I do think sometimes when you're talking about the injuries that the Chargers have had, like, sometimes it just makes sense to, you know, not overwork a guy or, um, you know, risk him, you know, taking that hit or, you know, stuff like that. The Chargers did, like, Joey Bosa did want to get back on the field, and the Chargers did take him off it, basically, right? Like, okay, so, yeah, they definitely have the interest of the players at heart for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Mm, nope. I hope Matt Gay has a great day. Hey, you said it. Is that going to be a thing every single episode now? Yeah, <laughs> because you just said it, yep. <laughs> okay, well, it works for me. I hope Matt Gay has a great day as well. Um, you know, as as promised, our next episode, we are going to go over how the Chargers will, could lose each of their 17 games. We obviously kind of had to... Uh, push that back because of you know all the news that, that came out today and yesterday. Uh, but we're looking forward to that conversation as well. As always, make sure and leave us a rating or review. Let us know. Uh, give us some feedback on what you guys think about you know Derwin James's expectations. Maybe look at some free agents that you guys want to see the Chargers look into next season as well. Um, I do want to mention before we close today, we are doing a Patreon giveaway of an Asante Samuel Jr. jersey. Um, that is exclusive to our uh, those who support us on Patreon. Um, if you support us at the $10 tier or higher, you get multiple entries. Um, but even if you just want to do the $1, you get an entry as well. The link to our Patreon page is in the description, uh, whether that's YouTube or the audio platforms. We always make sure and include that there. So if you want to be entered into an Asante Samuel Jersey giveaway, that will close on Monday, and then we'll announce the winner on Tuesday. So, That'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.